Good to have you. This will uh, probably come as a surprise to many of you, but um, have you noticed that people sometimes get on our nerves? Um, of course, I'm sure it's not the other way around, ever. Um, but, you know, even in the house, even at home, um, things can really grate on our nerves. Small things, right? Anybody that's been, like, any time on an airplane, you've had the people that kick the back of your chair. I once woke up and the guy's feet behind me were right here. I was like, right? So in the, in the house, you know, in our homes, we... <laughs> Most of us have encountered this where, you know, you have that one person in the house, instead of taking out the trash, they push it down deeper, right? Or they leave a stack of dishes in the sink, or they use all the hot water, all the hot water. By the way, celibates don't have this problem, just saying, okay? But we have these little things that happen to us in the house that can kind of, well, cause what we call drama, drama, this little thing we call drama. And you know, I think, in, I think it's safe to say most of us would agree that um, we can sum up, I think, um, most of the drama that we experience in life can be summed up in two words, human conflict. Somehow or another, most of our drama is centered around this thing we call human conflict. And if you talk to sociologists, they will then subcategorize human conflict into two major types, relationship conflict and social conflict, or say, say conflict between belief systems, what I believe and what you believe. I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican. Arr right? Enter social media, right? So we get this conflict. Most of the drama that we experience, I think it's pretty safe to say, is centered somehow around human conflict or drama, which kind of leads me to my question, yeah, for all of us. How do we, how do we dial down the drama in our life that we can be happier? Simple question. How do we dial down the drama? Well, in order to do that, we got to dial down the human conflict. Well, good luck with that. Right? It's like <laughs> blowing against Hurricane Katrina. I mean, we're, look, part of being an adult, brothers and sisters, is learning how to manage conflict. Okay? Our conflict with other people, other people's conflict. I mean, look at this. Just in our families, you know, we, we see this in so many different levels. Maybe we have a mixed marriage of my children and their children coming together. Maybe it's sibling rivalry. Maybe it's financial stress. Do you know that one in five Americans experiences uh, mental illness? One in five. Nobody asks for mental illness, by the way. Okay? We experience, people are often born with this. Is it their fault? No. What, however, can be their fault and cause drama for other people is whether or not they receive treatment and take their medication. Because often when they don't, ripple effects. Ripple effects. Still other people, it's none of that. You know what it is? 
They just like drama. I mean, they got a talent. And why would they do this? Why would they do this? Have you noticed these people, like, they kind of goes in waves, and they're like drama, 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 and you're like, oh, my gosh. Right? And then you get through it. And they, like, why would they do this? Because when, when they we do this with other people's lives, where does it keep the attention? Off of this one. Off of this one. And they often feel better about themselves when they have other people are in a chaotic state. So then we got to decide, okay, how am I going to deal with this? Dr. Drama over here again, you know, is over here stirring the pot. How am I going to deal with this one? Well, just a little advice. Don't get involved. You're going to be happier, even if it's in your own family, even if it's at your workplace. It's often not our job to fix it. What we can do is come up with a few practical tips. You know, I think very, you know, I can tell you when I do marriage, marriage and family counseling, I'm not an authority, I'm just a parish priest, but I can tell you this, the counselors that I know, some of whom have been doing this for 40 years, this is what they would say. All family problems and all conflict can be traced back to two questions. Everyone, I don't care what it involves, there's two questions that it comes down to. Imagine you're panning for a nugget of gold. It comes down to this. What is the truth in this situation? And will the people involved actually hear it? What is the truth? And will the people involved actually hear it when you hold up a mirror? You know, I, I don't... Pick a doctor. Pick a doctor at random. If you talk to any doctor or nurse, they will tell you that some of their patients will listen and some won't. And, you, and they'll know when they're talking to them, this person is hearing nothing of what I'm saying. I may have told you this, but a few years ago, I was at Baptist East. I walked into Baptist East Hospital. I walking in. There's a man standing outside with an IV smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> In other words, my point is simply to say, some people are here, some people won't. It's not my job to make them hear it. Some will hear it. You don't want to hear it? Don't. don't. It's your life. You want to be miserable? It's your life. Good luck, bro. But for me, for my part, I'm going to do my best to maintain my peace, the pearl of great, great price, as Jesus says. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You know, in, in Galatians chapter 2, St. Peter, our first pope, he tells all the Gentiles, he says, the Lord welcomes you also. And all the Gentiles are like, this is great. This is awesome. We've never seen this before. So they all go to the early church and they go to St. Peter and the problem was when, when Peter was with the Gentiles, he was great, but when the Gentiles were there with the Jews, he didn't want to ruffle feathers with the Jews. So he treated these guys like second-class citizens. Better yet, let's just ignore them. In other words, he was doing one thing and saying something different. So St. Paul, he goes and he pulls Peter aside. He's like, hey, man, brother, you're, 
you're not living what you're saying, hypocrite. So to Paul's defense, he had enough courage to say this to the first pope. Not an easy thing to do. And in Peter's defense, he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm wrong. Thank you, Paul, for bringing that to my defense. Will they hear the truth as Peter did? And will they listen as Peter did? So how do we dial down the drama? Number one, stay the course. Number two, realize that you can't fall on the sword over every problem. We can't make a big deal out of every problem. And number three, when people bring the truth to you, listen. Listen to it. You know, if if you don't mind, I'm just going to share with you a personal story. So, um, when I was 20 years old, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. And I was in cooking school then. And um, when I was in Charleston, I, we had a great house of people, and we were so broke, uh, the, my roommates and I, we were so broke, that every night we had to wash our chef coats. And, you know, chef coats have food all over it, but we had no money to do laundry. So we would do our laundry, wash our chef coats in the dishwasher. <laughs> and fortunately, Cascade is meant to get out food, so it worked out great. We smelled like lemons all the time. And we put our, hung our chef coats and spent them on the ceiling fan all night to dry them out. Necessity is the mother of invention. So anyway, so we, um, we were always broke and I went to our chef instructors and we would get them to give us food. Otherwise, we honestly wouldn't eat over the weekend. We were that broke. So I got to be very, very close with this one roommate of mine. We spent all day, every day together. We would play football on the beach together, we'd drink beer together, you know, we'd, we'd cook together, study together, all day, every day, for two years. So the very last day, we, we'd just graduated, and we were about to part ways. And, um, and so he comes up to me, it was kind of a touching moment, he comes up to me, and he, he gives me a tablet, like a notebook, of all this paper, right? And he gives it to me, and he said, you owe me $2,000. And I thought he was kidding, right? So I started laughing. He's like, no, dude, I'm serious. You owe me $2,000. And I said, what? Why? And I start looking through it, and it it was a date over the course of two years, and it would say things like, this date, Ben used one dryer sheet. He was keeping track. This date, Ben used one teaspoon of olive oil. This date... Ben used three tablespoons of garlic. He was keeping track of all these things. Of course, he was using all of my stuff too. But he was tracking all this. So he gave me a bill for $2,000. I didn't have $2. And I said, okay, all right, buddy, um, I'm going to make you a deal. I'll give you $1,000 and let you live. How does that sound? How does that sound? Is that a, good, is that a deal? So, needless to say, he took the deal. So anyway, I was, I was thinking to myself, this is, seriously, this is how you want to part ways after everything we've done together? Maybe you've had one of those friendships that just parts ways. You had what they call a falling out with someone. 
So over the course of the next six months, I was kind of bitter about this. All of a sudden, I got a letter in the mail from him. And it said, started off, Dear Ben, thank you for not killing me. Oh, and by the way, I'm sorry. I was wrong. But you know, that lesson taught me something, and that was this, is that things can be fermenting inside somebody for years. I didn't know he cared about a dryer sheet. I would have got the guy a box of dryer sheets. But for him, that was important, a dryer sheet, okay? We never know the drama that is going on inside of somebody, right? We never quite know. But we ask the question, what is the truth, and will this person actually hear the truth? And if they won't hear the truth, doesn't mean they won't five years from now. What it means is, you know what, I'm not going to waste my time because they won't listen. They're going to dig in their heels, and then we'll have two frustrated people, not one. For us, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to be humble enough to hear it and courageous enough to apply it.